everybody and it's going to be 70 degrees today what about that huh yeah if you can't have a white Christmas you might as well have an awesome one um, glad you're here this morning hope everybody's ready for a Merry Christmas um, Jesus is the greatest gift of all we invite you to come uh, Christmas Eve and uh, just join this family together we have a good time it's just 30 minutes long and we just sing some Christmas carols. Uh, I'm going to share a short word, and then we're going to do communion as families. It's really special, and we just invite you to come. If you come by yourself, that's okay. Uh, there's lots of families that will adopt somebody. We don't ever want you to be alone at this time of the year. So, um, And if you're taking the offering, come on up. I was going to wait and do the offering later, but I'm not going to do that. We're just going to do it now. Um, Lord, we thank you that um, Jesus is a great gift. We thank you, God, that uh, you so loved us, you gave. And I pray, Father, that you'd put that heart inside of each one of us, that we would so love you and love your kingdom and love your work on earth that we would give. That, God, we'd be motivated to give through love, that we would never be coerced or feel like we're afraid not to. We want to give like you gave, God. You didn't have to do a thing. I mean, you're God. You didn't have to do anything. You just looked at us and you knew our need and you loved us so much. And you gave. And Father, may we be the same. May we just love you so much. May we look and know that there is a great need in the earth for your good news to go around the world. The real good news. Not the bad news of religion, but the good news of Jesus' love and grace. And so I'm praying over us today, God, that... Uh, You'd give us new hearts. We pray, Lord, as we get into your word, even this morning, that as we open it, God, that you would teach us, guide us, direct us. Uh, this book is impossible to understand without your guidance. And so, Lord, we thank you that it's a spiritual book. We thank you that in these pages are life and that it can never be exhausted. And so, Lord, as we read it today, let it be fresh. Let it be new. Let it be powerful. Let it change our life, change our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can take the offering now. Okay. Well, we're talking about things that matter. It matters. Um, this is the, we have one more after this one, but uh, actually changed this one for this week. Uh, the It Matters series has been really uh, meaningful to me. And if you don't know what it means, if you haven't been here before, um, it means our participation that you participating in what God is doing on the earth matters. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus said, pray like this. He said, pray that your kingdom will come, your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I just want to say to you that when he says to pray that way, that he's not saying, God, I'm just passively asking you for your kingdom to be on the earth. You see, 
for his kingdom to come and his will to be done, your participation matters because I don't know if you know this, but there's no other plan other than the church for him to release what he wants to release in the earth. We're it. We're the, we're the, if we don't get it done, it's not going to get done. And so it matters. I mean, a lot of the things we do, they matter. And uh, we talked about water baptism. Some people think, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't get me saved. And so a lot of people never get water baptized. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. And it matters. It's, it, you know, I just want to say this, and I'll say it several times today. Not everything we do is eternal. I mean, you walk up here, you go through these waters, and it doesn't seem like an eternal thing. But it has eternal consequence. There's things that have eternal consequence that don't seem eternal, that really aren't even eternal. And we talked about worship last, uh, last time I spoke up here, that some people think, oh, worship's kind of optional. In fact, it's all about hearing the word and hearing it talk. The deal is worship is so important. I don't know if you know this, you're going to be doing it for eternity. You might as well learn to do it here. What are you going to do when you get up there for eternity and you think, I just don't like the music? you got a long time to sit there. Anyway, that was not spiritual. So today I'm going to talk about something I don't talk about very often, and I'm going to talk about something that matters, and it's obedience. And people go, well, duh, oh, we know obedience matters. No, I don't know if you do know that obedience matters. I don't know that the average church member really knows, the average Christian, I should say, really knows how much obedience matters. Your participation in what God's Spirit is leading you to do it matters that you obey. And people will say things like, well, we're not saved through our works. We're not saved because we're obedient. And that's true, you're not. And you being obedient doesn't make you more Christian. You know, for people to say, well, I just want to be a good Christian, that's really ridiculous. Because either you are or you aren't. You're 100% saved, born again, or you're not. There's no 70-30. You can't be 70% saved, and then you have a really good day, and you're like 95% saved. No, you're either 100, either way. So it's, you, don't, you don't get better. God doesn't love you more when you're obedient. He doesn't give you more grace when you're obedient. So some people think, well, it really doesn't matter that I'm obedient. If God wants to do it, he's going to do it anyway. But I want to tell you today, it matters. You participating with what God wants to do on this earth, and especially in your life, it matters. Father, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know if you know that's a personal prayer. Do you know that's a personal prayer? You pray that and you kind of think it's a world prayer. It's kind of like we're praying for our government or you know, people around the world to get saved or something. And you kind of are. But the deal is, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is, for in, as it is in heaven. That's a personal prayer. So you participate. And if you want to see the kingdom of God move in your life, you need to participate with what God wants to do in your life. I'm going to explain how this works. Because we're going to do Christianity 101. And then we're going to go probably into Christianity 202. So we're going to do that in, in this little graphic that's up here. And I want to start by saying, I don't know if you know this, but that little guy on the screen, he represents all of mankind. 
Everyone that's ever been born, every man, woman, child around the world, doesn't matter what country, doesn't matter where it is, that little guy is living under a curse. And the reason he's living under a curse is because we sin. And the Bible says that we all sin. Now you may think there's some people that sin a whole lot more than you do, so you might think, well, I'm better than that person because I sin less than they do. Here, here's what the Bible says. Now listen to this. This is the Bible. Galatians 3.10. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Cursed is everyone that doesn't do everything that's written in the book of the law. There's 635 commandments in here. You can keep 634 of them, and if you break one, you're cursed. You can, you can break 634 and keep one, and you're no different than the one that keeps 634 and breaks one. You're both equally cursed under the curse of sin. I don't know that we get that. Because we still have this idea that there's good people and bad people. And there really are, I guess, in the way you look at actions and how people hurt other people. But the truth is, in God's way of looking at things, we all fall under the curse of sin because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And sin miss means missing the target. It means God created you for a specific purpose and that you've missed the target. Therefore, you've stepped into sin. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but back, way back in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned and God put them out of the garden, do you realize that he cursed the ground and told them that they would earn a living by the sweat of their brow because the, the ground was cursed? You know what that means? That means that everybody in this world will struggle with making a living. And many people struggle financially because they don't understand they're living under a curse. It's just the way it is. When sin was released in the earth, the curse fell. And it fell on all of mankind. Isaiah 53, way back in Isaiah, it says that all of us, all of us, are like sheep and we've gone astray. That means that God had a purpose. He had a divine place. He has a place for you to be. And you've strayed away from that. And it says that you've left God's path. That's what you strayed away from. God had a path for you. He created you for a purpose. He made it you. He knit you together in your mother's womb and gave you a purpose in the world. And you, there's a path for you to go on. And he says, my word is a light unto your path. It's his way. He has a way. But we stray from God's path. And what do we do? We follow our own path. We follow our own way. All of us. That's what it says. All of us. But God looked down and he said, I don't want it to be that way. So what did he do? Well, he sent Jesus. And Jesus came and did something that we could never do. A minute ago when I said you're either 100% saved or 100% lost, when you get saved... You just come under the umbrella of God's grace. You don't, you don't have to do any good works to get there. You just have to believe. Jesus came 
to save you. He came to save you from the curse of the sin that you've brought into your life. This is how it works. He came and gave his life, hung on a cross. And this is what it says in the Bible. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse. The curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He came in and he took that curse on himself. The curse that we were all living under, every single one of us. So when you're born again, you, you don't have to do certain things or work real hard or anything. You just have to open your heart and say, Lord, I need a Savior. And he says, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord can, can come under the umbrella of grace. You're baptized with him into death and you're raised to walk in a new life. And you step into grace. And it's not by works. It's not by obedience. It's not by being good. You didn't get saved by your obedience. You don't stay saved by your obedience. It's grace to grace. You believe and receive. You believe and receive. And you step out of that curse. And you step under the umbrella of grace. Thank you, God. But many Christians believe that being saved, being born again, puts them under that umbrella of grace, which it does. But many of us, that we, we get this idea that just being born again, we somehow now walk in abundant life. That we somehow now walk in a full blessing of God because we're born again. And I just want to tell you, that's not true. I mean, you're blessed. You're not under the curse. That's great. Praise God, I'm going to heaven. But that's not all God wants for you. He wants you to have an abundant life. But a lot of you aren't living that. A lot of you don't have an abundant life and you don't know why. In fact, many people get born again and they blame God because their life is not abundant. And that's what I want to talk about today. Obedience matters. You see, there's an element in this equation, in this graphic, that we bypass many times, and it's called our element of obeying God. You don't understand that when you obey God, something happens. Even under that umbrella of grace, you can position yourself to come into a place of a blessing flow, where you can position yourself for blessing, a blessing of an abundant life. But it takes obedience. Let me explain it this way. I just, I, what if I decided not to brush my teeth? And then I just ask you, will y'all pray for me to have no cavities? Will y'all agree with me for divine health? I'm not going to brush my teeth. But God promised me divine health, and I just believe that if he's going to give me divine health, I don't have to brush my teeth. He's just going to, he can do it anyway. Would you pray with me? You probably would. You'd go, yeah, no, he's kind of stupid, but I'm going to pray with you. <laughs> you know, the, the, but think about that. A lot of Christians live this way. They're like, well, I don't want to do anything. I just expect God to do everything. I don't know if you know the word supernatural is actually two words put together. The natural part's you. It's what you do. The super part's what God does. <laughs> And to be supernatural, you have to participate. What you do matters. 
And if you want to walk in divine health, there will be an element of your participation to be able to walk in that divine health. If you sit back and expect it to all be in God's side of the equation, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to upset you, but I'm going to tell you that there's a place where you can position yourself to walk in the full blessing of God. What you do affects what you have or how you live in this life. Now, I'm going to talk about Luke 18. This is, a, this is one of those verses where it's kind of hard to understand. And if you're a literalist, then you're going to have a really hard time understanding this verse. But Jesus said in Luke 18 that there's no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Two things. He says it's, it's possible for a person to, to come into a place where they can receive eternal life, but then there's another thing where he wants to give you more in this present time. And he says it's directly connected to the way that you handle, steward, manage things in your life. Now, please, please don't read this verse and think it's literal. Don't think. If your wife isn't spiritual enough, you can trade her off and get a better one. Because that's what the verse says, literally. It's not what he's meaning. What he's saying is, why would he use these things? House, parents, wife, children. Why would he use those words? And I've heard people say, well, you've got to love God more than you love your kids. And I mean, that's really hard to do sometimes. At, it, it almost puts a guilt trip on people, and that's not what he's saying. He's saying these are the most important, most precious things you have. This is the, th there's nothing on this world that means more to you than your home and your family and your kids and your spouse. This is it. This is it. This is a, he's saying, I just want to make it clear that I'm putting the most important thing here, and I'm saying, but your obedience is more important for you to live a successful life. He's saying how you live this life will have eternal consequence and consequence even here. I know whenever I was first saved, many of you know my testimony, I had to tithe before I was saved. And I worked at, I was young, I was 21, and I worked at Amarillo Ice Company. It's not even around anymore. I made $650 a month. My brother worked with me, and my brother actually got me my job. He's three years older than me. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But at that time, um, we worked together, and he had gotten me that job. And, and I was married. I had a little kid, $650 a month. It was terrible. We were broke. It was just awful. And um, I, I went to church, and I didn't want fire insurance. I wasn't going to church to try to go to heaven. I didn't... I didn't want God in my life because I wanted to go to heaven. I wanted God in my life because I hated my life. It was horrible. It was hard. I was living under a curse. I didn't know that. And that's why I hated my life. It was hard. I didn't know why it was hard, so hard to make money. I didn't realize that my living was cursed. I didn't realize that financially everything I did was cursed. I just knew that God was the answer. I was raised that way. And I did, even though I never got saved when I was a kid, I... I really, uh, I knew God was the answer. And I went in there and I, and I 
heard about tithing. I started tithing because I thought, I'm just going to see if God's real. And so I wrote him a check for $65, which is one-tenth of $650, and I wrote that check, and God was faithful. But I'll tell you this. My brother worked with me, and when my brother found out I was tithing and I was broke and I was poor, he told me I was crazy. And there was a part of me that thought, yeah, I think I can kind of see your point. But here's the point I'm making. Brothers, sisters, spouses, I don't care who it is. They can't talk you out of following God. You can't let that happen. You've got to be on your own course. And I told him, I said, I agree with you. It does sound crazy, but I tell you what, I need something to change in my life, and I want to believe God's real, and I'm going to do what I can do to trust God. And I did. And then whenever God began to show his blessing on, on my life, it affected my brother. Suddenly, his kingdom came, and his will was done on earth as it was in heaven, and the kingdom of God was affected positively because I dared to walk in obedience, and I dared not to let somebody that was close to me, who I thought the world of, affect me. Because it meant more to me to follow God than it did to please my brother. Obedience matters. Jesus said this. He said the thief comes, doesn't come except to kill, steal, and destroy. Well, how, do, how does the thief, it's the devil, how does he kill, steal, and destroy our life? And some of you know firsthand. I do. But, you know, every, every time he's been able to kill anything in my life, um, destroy anything in my life, or, or steal from me, every time it's been because I've been obedient to what he's asked me to do. I've been obedient to the dark voice that was in my head, and I thought, yeah, I think that makes sense. And pretty soon I'm going, that was a stupid move. Well, I can tell you that's exactly the way it works in the spirit realm. The spirit you agree with, the spirit you obey, is the spirit that's going to bring fruit into your life. If you want to live an abundant life, you better start listening to the spirit of God and stop listening to the spirit of darkness. How do I know the difference? Well, the spirit of darkness is a liar. <laughs> it's a liar. The second part's the part I want to look at. It says, I've come, this is Jesus talking, I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, if Jesus, Jesus was the... Jesus was a master word technician, okay? Jesus could say less, he could say more with less words than anybody that's ever lived. So when he says something, he's saying it in a way that means something. And I want you to look at that verse, that second half of that verse. I have come to give them life and an opportunity, I'm going to add that word, to have an abundant life. It's two different things. If Jesus wanted to say one thing, he would have said, I came to give them an abundant life. He didn't say that. He said, I came to give you life, and I came to give you abundant life. Two things. It's optional whether you step into an abundant life because it depends upon your cooperation and obedience as to whether you're going to step into a blessing flow with God. It's just the truth. You know, you can get under the umbrella of Jesus and you can be born again, you can be saved, and you can never step into the blessing flow of God because you're not obedient to what the Spirit of God's leading you to do. 
but he wants you to have an abundant life. You know, obedience is, it, it's kind of a broad word, but in my mind, obedience really comes down in a large way to stewardship. Now, stewardship's a church word, in my opinion. You don't hear it much anywhere else, but stewardship really kind of means management. It's, it's how you manage what God has brought into your life. Even your own health. God's given you a healthy body. He's given you a certain thing. He's given you a certain brain power. How do you manage that? That's stewardship. God's given you a spouse. God's given you a life. He's given you children. How do you manage that? How do you steward that? Because that's all about obedience. It's all about how we make decisions about how we will manage what God has brought into our life. I don't know if you know this, but you know, I mean, you're not going to be married in eternity. Marriage is not eternal. But how you treat your spouse is definitely has eternal consequence. I mean, why did God choose King David? Why did God choose David, the little shepherd boy, to be the king of Israel? Why did he do that? Because it says here in, in Psalm 78, it says that God chose David, his servant, and took him from the shepherd, sheep, took him from the sheepfolds, because he shepherded, he shepherded according to the integrity of his heart. Let me let me let me give you a translation. Here's David, the least of all his brothers, Jesse's sons. He was the little guy. They didn't even bring him in the house when Samuel came to visit. He's out there with his few sheep, and, and nobody thinks he's important. They put, give him this job of being a shepherd boy. He's out there taking care of the sheep. But it says that God chose him to be the king of Israel because of the way that he shepherded his sheep. He did it according to the integrity that was in his heart. The stewardship, the management of what God put in his hands, even though some people would say, it doesn't. Who cares? It's a handful of sheep. Anybody can do it. God looked down and watched him and said, he's doing it with the integrity of his heart. Taking care of sheep is not eternal, but it had eternal consequence. You may think that the things you do in life, oh, they don't matter. I don't have an important job. You know, I don't have a big ministry. I don't have any of this stuff. I can just tell you this. God watches every little thing you do. It's why Jesus was able to say, we be, we're, we're going to be judged by the, every word that proceeds from our mouth. Because he wants to know if we're doing things with the integrity of our heart. A lot of people want to know why they don't have ministries. A lot of people want to know why they don't walk in abundance, why they don't have their finances blessed. Because the things that pass through our hands, how do we manage them? Do we manage them according to the integrity that's in our heart? Or do we think it doesn't matter? I th it's so funny, you know, that little things can affect us so tremendously. In Luke 16, Jesus said this, If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with eternal treasures of the spiritual world? Do you see the connection that Jesus himself is making? 
He's saying that every dollar that's passed through your hands, I'm looking to see if you handle it with the integrity of your heart. Because if I know you can handle these small things of the world, I'm going to entrust you with the spiritual, eternal greatness that I want to put in you. You you are made for a purpose, but you can never walk into that purpose until you learn to do the smallest things with the integrity of your heart. I mean, God's told me before that this, any ministry I have, anything that happens, I, it's never going to be better than my marriage. It's not two different things. I can't treat Wendy, you know, one way and, and then come up here and pretend I'm someone else. It's, I mean, I don't know if that works for anybody else. I just know it won't work for me. God's told me directly. And I I know there's a connection. There's a connection between what we do in private. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, go in your secret place. It matters if you have a secret time with God. It matters if you have a secret life with God. It matters when you give that money to that person that's needy. It matters. He sees it. That money that passes through our hands, those things that pass through our hands, do you handle them with integrity in your heart? Or do you have to be seen? Our life on earth is preparation for eternity. I don't know if you know that. All this right down here is just preparation for eternity. (laughs) Some people are so freaked out about being rich down here. It's so funny. They're so freaked out about being rich down here, they spend every waking minute trying to figure out how they can keep hold of their money, and I guarantee you, you won't take it with you. But if you want to be rich in the next... I think, would you rather be rich for 60 years, or would you rather be rich for 6,000 years? Which would you rather be rich? Our priorities are mixed up. Most Christians don't get this. Most Christians don't get it. They think because they're born again that everything's coming their way. And I'm just telling you, it matters what you do. It matters how you live. Tithing, this is one of the clearest things to me in the Word. The reason I threw it up here is not because I want to pound on you about tithing. It's because it just shows it so clearly what I was showing in that graphic earlier. You know, God starts off in Malachi 3 saying that a a man is robbing God by not paying his tithe. He's robbing God. And then he says this, you've robbed me in your tithes and your offerings, you are cursed with a curse. You see, people don't get that if, if, if if they aren't realizing that every dime that goes through their hand, every job that they've had, all their health, all their stuff, everything flows through them, that that there's an accountability that he's looking to see how you handle the things that come through you. And then he says, if, you, if you're disobedient, that you're cursed with a curse. Now, this is the good news. We saw the graphic up here that Jesus came and he took that curse. He became a curse so we wouldn't be cursed. So don't, God's saying now, I don't want you to tithe because you're afraid of being cursed. That's not even on the table anymore. Jesus took all the curse. But let me go to the second half. Just bring all your tithes to the storehouse. There'll be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord, and see if I won't open the windows of heaven 
and pour out so much blessing you can't even receive it. I've talked, because this is my testimony, I've talked to so many people over the years, in my 40-something years of being saved, I don't know how many times I've said this testimony, and y'all are probably sick of hearing it. But I'll just tell you this, it, it drives me nuts when people go, oh, tithing, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it matters. God, God's the inventor of tithing. It matters. It's, it's a tenth, and it's the first tenth of the money that comes your way. That's the integrity of your heart. That's, that's what it means. And it matters. You'd be saying, well, that's Old Testament. Please, I don't want to be rude. Let me just say this. Jesus came and took the curse. He didn't take the blessing. There's still a blessing attached to tithing. He took the curse. He didn't take the blessing. This book is loaded with blessings through obedience. And he didn't take that away. There is still every single blessing that's promised in this book is promised through him. All he did was take the curse. He doesn't want to live by extortion. He doesn't want to threaten you. He wants to live by blessing. He wants to love you. But it will take your obedience, your participation, for you to ever know that. It's like this. Egypt, wilderness, promised land. We got that picture from the deliverance, from Seder meal. We get this. Egypt, they were in bondage, which is a symbol of us being lost and captured by sin. Everybody get that? So if you're in sin and in bondage, it's like being in Egypt. And then you go through the wilderness, and then you get to the promised land. The promised land is you being saved, born again. The wilderness is that area between where you're, you're saved, you come out of darkness, you come out of Egypt, you come out of your sin, but you're not quite living in the abundant life of the promised land. You're in this no man's land, which is where a lot of Christians live and die. You can die in the wilderness, not walking in the blessing of God. You can die in the wilderness, it says in 1 Corinthians 10. Even as Christians. What's the wilderness? Well, it's manna. You all know what manna was? It's the bread from heaven. It came down every day. You'd go and collect it. You'd eat. You didn't collect it. You wouldn't eat. Manna is living paycheck to paycheck. It's, we got just enough to make it from one check to the next. If we didn't have our check, we wouldn't make it. That's manna. If you're living like that, you're in the wilderness. You're not living in an abundant life. I'm not a prosperity preacher, by the way, okay? I'm just telling you the truth of the word. But God has a promised land where you come in and you reap what you didn't even plant. He's got a promised land where he can give you over and above what you can imagine or think. But it's going to take people of faith and obedience. The, the people that didn't go in the promised land, they didn't have faith to go in the promised land. Why? They were afraid to go in the promised land. It was scary to go in the promised land. It took faith and effort to go in there. Their obedience was tied to their blessing. You can go back in the wilderness. They did. They walked around out there in 38 years. They ate manna. They lived. They lived 38 years. They lived a long life for that back then. But they died fruitless. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says it is possible to build your whole life on the foundation of Christ. It's possible to have yourself born again and build your life. And it says when you get to the end of your life that it's tried by fire and all of it can burn up. It says you'll be saved, but that there's great loss because your whole life you've lived building a life that didn't even matter. You never would walk into obedience to what God wanted you to do. I mean, you're saved, but it says there's great loss. What's the great loss? It's your loss of living an abundant life here on earth. So you wonder why these two mountains are uphill. In the promised land, there's these two mountains, and there's Gerizim and Ebal, and these mountains, they represented cursing and blessing. He said, when you get into the promised land, you're going to have a choice. You go on these mountains, and you literally will have the blessings of God spoken from one and the curses of God. This is in the promised land that you have a choice, and there were people that actually choose to be cursed, actually choose to live in such a way that was contrary to being obedient to God, and it would bring curses in their life, and they lived that way. But he said it is possible to go to the mountain of blessing. Yeah. So the question becomes, why would, we, why would we ever choose to live a life that wasn't blessed? I'm ending with this. Man at the pool of Bethesda. He gets saved, been there 38 years. He's sitting there. He's sick. Jesus walks up to him. Do you want to be well? The guy says, yes. Well, he actually made a lot of excuses, and then he said yes. But then he said, well, pick up your mat and walk. And then Jesus said these words to him. He said, see, you've been made well. You've been, let me say it this way, you've been saved. You were trapped in your bondage all your life, and now Jesus has come to your life, and now you've been made well. And then he says this next statement. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Now, when you read that, and if you think that's a threat, if you think God uses threats to get you to walk right, you're wrong. It's, it's not a threat. It's like Jesus saying, you cross the interstate at 5 o'clock, stop doing that, or it's not going to end well with you. He's just stating a fact. He's saying to the man at the pool of Bethesda, in case you haven't figured this out, the way that you live, the choices you make, your obedience and disobedience is what has brought this into your life. And I don't want you to be like this anymore. So I'm saying you have a choice. You can be blessed or you can walk back into this mess and it's going to be worse. What's it going to be? You see, what he was saying is the choice isn't sinlessness because if he had said to him, I want you, you know, like if, if some people would interpret this to mean that Jesus saves you, and then he expects you to be sinless. He, he knows you can't be sinless. That's not what he's saying here. He's not saying you've been healed. Now, if you commit one little sin, I'm going to throw something worse on you. That's not what he's saying. He's, say, he's saying he wants him to obey him. He wants him to stay out of the thing that caused him to be in this situation. Let me say it this way to you. It's impossible for you to be sinless, but it's not impossible for you to be obedient. It's impossible for you to be sinless, but it's not impossible for you to be obedient. When God comes to your life and asks you to do something, or he gives you a conviction, it is, it is very possible for you to say yes 100% of the time. 
He gives his spirit to convict of sin, yes, but it also to convict of righteousness. And when his spirit convicts you of righteousness, he's trying to lead you down a path that's right for you. This is so personal. It's not one size fits all. What God deals with me about, he's probably not dealing with you about. But he's dealing with all of us about something. And the way that we walk into abundant life is we, by saying yes to God and obeying him in these things that he's called us to do. For me, in my first steps, it was tithing. And, and God's proven himself to be true. People say, well, don't you know that people tithe and then they have a hard time financially for a while? Yeah, I've seen that happen. But I'll tell you this. It's the long game, people. I don't know if you know with God, it's always the long game. If you're playing the short game, you'll never walk in faith. Ever. About anything. I mean, if it's, if it's immediate satisfaction that you're looking for, you're not going to walk in faith. It's the long game. I've been walking with the Lord 40-something years. Have I had financial hardship sometimes? Have I been tithing those years? Yeah. But, but you know what? I know he's faithful. I look back and I'm just blown away by the faithfulness of God. I'm just telling you, I want you, we're going into 2020. And we're going to be focused on our overall health, you know, spiritually and physically and financially, every kind of way, emotionally. And all of these things that I'm laying a foundation for about it matters. These things matter because they affect you financially. They affect you, your health. They affect so many things in your life. And I want you to build a firm foundation before we go into 2020. I want 2020 to be the best year of all of our lives. But we've got to know that the things that we do matter. We will need to participate with God because God wants it to be the best year of our life. That's what we need to get in our mind first, but he wants that. But you have to be obedient and walk into that. That's what God's calling us all to do. So, are we obedient to God? And uh, why don't you stand up for just a minute. We'll just end right here. Ministry team, if you're, if you're ministering today, come on up. I asked the first service if they'd rather me talk about Christmas, but I know it's a little different message than you've heard me bring before, but uh, I really felt it, God changed this message this week. I had a different one down, and, and I felt like we should talk about this message because I feel like it's so important for the foundation that we're building for this next year. Because if we're not building to, willing to be obedient then really next year is kind of going to be fruitless <laughs> because that's what it's going to be about. And I don't know about you, but I want to line my life up right under the blessing flow of God. I want to have divine health. I want my finances blessed. I want to be emotionally healthy. I want to be spiritually solid. I want my marriage to be better than it's ever been. I want my family completely 100% healed. I'm going to do everything I can do on my part of the supernatural equation. And I'm just going to ask God to do those miracles that I have no way of doing. And I hope you'll join me in that. This is an important message. I don't want anyone to leave here today feel like they've been beat up or stepped on. I just really want you to be challenged to know that with the integrity of your heart, that's what you do everything with. And so, God, I pray for all of us this morning that we've, 
We would listen to you, God. As you speak to each one of us individually, differently. For some, it might be about tithing, God. I don't know. For some, it might be about forgiving someone. Some, it might just be, who knows what. It might be anything. But whatever you're talking to us about, God, let the, let the answer in all of our hearts be yes. That we're quick to agree with you. Because agreement's the first part of obedience. And so, Father, I pray for agreement all over this room. We realize that sometimes the things we need to do, we can't do right in this moment, but we can agree. We love you, God. We thank you that you have our best interest in mind. We thank you, God, that every time you ask us to do anything, it's for our good. We thank you, God, for your blessing, for your presence. We thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you for Jesus taking the curse and leaving the blessing. Be with your people this week, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer this morning, come on up and uh, receive prayer. You could, about anything whatsoever. And join us on our Christmas Eve service. It's going to be great. And uh, y'all have a great Christmas. Merry Christmas.